We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest, easiest, and safest way to bet on all things sports. With March Madness, the Masters, and Major League Opening Day right around the corner, Bet Online has the latest scores, news, and odds to help you win big. The best part? You'll receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Head over to betonline.ag, use our promo code BLUEWIRE to retrieve your literal free money. Plus, signing up is a great way to support the podcast you're listening to in your ears right now. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE. All one word when you sign up at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. And this episode is brought to you by betonline.ag. Jack, though, how are we doing? We're back. What up, Vegas, bro? <laughs> we are back. Jack and I both took some trips. He sadly had to do a school trip. I was lucky enough to go to Las Vegas for my bachelor party. Crazy experience, but sadly, we're here to talk about a Nets loss to the Washington Wizards, 106-110. And as always, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. Nick, let's break this one down. You know, it feels like, I mean, I don't miss this feeling, breaking down a Nets <laughs> loss with you, but at the end of the day, someone has to do it. We get paid the big bucks. <clears throat> I mean, we get paid the big bucks to, to do it, so let's let's get stuck back into it. And let's start off on a good note with your boy, Carol Savert. Maybe one of his best ever games as a Brooklyn Nets. I mean, the thing that's impressed me the most, Nick, is his defense. Yeah, defensively, he was a menace. He was creating plays. He was disrupting what Washington was trying to do out there. And I felt like this really was one of his best two-way games ever. You know, after three quarters, he had 32 points, only got two points in that fourth quarter and two shots. So I think some of that's on the Nets teammates, some of that's on Washington's defense reacting. 
But I really love what I saw from Karras. And I think this was, you know, the star level Karras that we kind of envisioned coming to the season. When we did that player preview. We we're like, this is the type of ceiling he can get to. And when he plays at this level, the Nets are obviously not the team they expected coming to the season, but he can be that extra piece possibly going to next year. If he's able to maintain, maintain some consistency and at the very worst, he's working on his trade value and, you know, looking like a fringe all-star to potential all-star. Yeah, we'll certainly have to chat about some all-star stuff, especially the fa- and, and trading for all-star stuff because Bradley Beal was in this game. Aaron Gordon torched us in the previous game. But on Carol Severt, and this is via Nets PR, Carol Severt has posted four or more steals in three of his last five games. All other Nets have combined for four games with four <laughs> or more steals this season. This was the Carol Severt on the defensive end that we've loved and wanted and seen the potential in. I mean, it's all defensive level. And, I mean, if if it's a battle between Karras and Spencer, who wants to stay there longer? I think it's going to be whoever plays better defense. Spencer Dinwiddie did spend a lot of time on Bradley Beal, though, tonight from what I saw. So, I mean, both of these guys are proving it defensively in different ways. Yeah, I think uh, Spencer really showcased some solid on-ball defense where a lot of Karras's big plays came off-ball, just reading that defense, being that free safety, kind of similar to what we see from Jimmy Butler, just really attacking those passing lanes and anticipating the pass. That's that's really something you want, especially when you're going to play zone occasionally or you're going to you know trap somebody like a Bradley Beal. You want to force that steal, and you know Karras really excelled on that. And like you said, you know that's the Karras defense we want to see. That's when Zach Lowe mentioned a couple years that he could see Karras Levert being an all defense all. NBA type defense player and you know we finally got to see it tonight in the last four games like you mentioned I think the Nets desperately lack the player that disrupts the other team yeah Jared Allen gets blocks at the rim DeAndre gets blocks at the rim but you rarely see somebody disrupt the passing lanes get their hands in there for a steal it's like the occasional thing they need this consistently obviously Karras can do it but I think the other guys need to step up in this area as well yeah, I would say Torian Prince is probably the number one candidate for that. You know, Garrett Temple can do it a little bit in spades. Rodion's Kuritz, when he gets minutes, as he did tonight, we'll get to him in a little bit. But five of eight from three from Carol Severt as well tonight, Nick. Was this one of his better perimeter shooting performances as well, not just the numbers-wise? Yeah, I mean, one one of the threes was a bank three. I think that was the first one of the game. So he's probably a little off, got back in the mix. And, you know, he looked confident. There was one heat check three in the third quarter where you're like, Okay, Karras, I see you. And at that point, you're like, all right, you know, Kenny needs to make sure he's playing him big minutes and he's getting shots in the fourth quarter. And that didn't happen. Obviously, there was a lot of reason the Nets lost the game. But the fact Karras only had two shots in the fourth quarter just doesn't really make any sense. And the fact he didn't come in until the five minute mark also didn't make sense. I get it. Performance team, blah, blah, blah. But your man's having one one of his best nights of his NBA career. You got to play him those extra couple minutes because that might have been the difference between a win and a loss. Was that on Kenny, Nick? Was that on the players not looking for him more? Was that on Karras not hunting it more? What do you think? Was it a combination? Who, how would you sort of rank the reasons why we didn't see Karras con- con- continue that momentum into a crucial fourth quarter? Yeah, I think it's a combination of things. I think Karras needs to be a little bit more aggressive in demanding the ball, but we know that's not really in his character. He's not really the guy that's going to you know, come to the top and be like, hey, give me the ball. So I think some of it's on Kenny, making sure the guy's passing the ball, call play for him. And I would say a little bit's on Spencer Dinwiddie. I feel like we've seen this in the past, too, where Spencer's used to kind of taking over in the fourth quarter and leading the team. But I think at this point it was like, hey, Karras is hot and he's doing his thing against Washington. He probably should get more touches to you than you at this game. And then also, even the last possession, I, I know Spencer's hit a lot of big shots, but... You know, you kind of want to give it to Karras. Like, you want to see what he can do in this moment. And then, if you know, it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But at least give him the opportunity. 
Yeah, and for those who didn't see that last shot, Corey Waldron did a really nice breakdown on OGDBasketball.com, just breaking down the last play. He seemed to be a fan of the shot, the fact that Spencer was able to create separation. I mean, it was a high-quality shot, but also you got into a little bit of an interaction with um, John Schumann in terms of the clutch stats of Spencer Dinwiddie and Carol Silver. What did they illuminate? Yeah, I mean, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, I believe, is 2 of 24 in clutch minutes, which I believe is... You know, like last five minutes of a game within 10 points or something along those lines, or maybe it's within five points. I'm not exactly sure. And then when I peeked at Karras's, he was shooting 46% from the field. And I want to say 56% from three, one of the best oh. nets in the clutch. And then also another really good net. And you're like this, Joe Harris was one of the best nets in the clutch. The rest of the team, to be honest, was pretty terrible. And that included Kyrie Irving, whose clutch numbers weren't very good. Yeah, we, we don't have a Chris Paul in that sense. But speaking of Joe Harris, Nick, you almost gave me a heart attack while teaching in front of the kids telling me that he hurt himself. Um, he's okay, though. Yes, he came back in the game, hit a three early in the third quarter. I mean, it was, wasn't was Joe's best game. And he rolled his ankle, and then he fell pretty hard on his back. I was a little concerned about his back because I remember last season he dealt with some back injury. And, you know, that's an easy thing to aggravate. But back in the third quarter, you know, keep an eye on him moving forward, though. Because usually with those ankle sprains, they're not necessarily the worst the first day, but it's that second day you get the swelling. Yeah, the Nets have got a couple of games coming up that are pretty tightly bunched together. So it'll be interesting to see whether he does play that Atlanta performance. I know that you know the Nets do have some guys in reserve, but we also you know we saw Rodions for the first time tonight. Wilson Chandler was out, so it'll be interesting to see keeping an eye on my boy Joey Buckets. But Nick Spencer Dinwiddie had a, a decent enough game, but six turnovers, five of eight from the free throw line, some crucial misses there, one of four from three. No one was really good from the perimeter other than. You know, Carol Savert, essentially, you know, Torian Prince, two of a Garrett Temple, one of nine, Joe, one of two. He probably should be taking a few more shots than that, but maybe the ankle slash back was affecting him. But Spencer Dimity was, I'm assuming, the second best Brooklyn net tonight, despite the fact that, you know, those turnovers and the effectiveness from the field wasn't necessarily amazing. Yeah, I would probably say so. Between him and DeAndre, I thought DeAndre was really solid today. I wasn't watching him as closely as I usually do, but... It didn't feel like he had the mistakes that he typically does. Spencer, you could tell, was like getting aggravated with some of the non-calls and then obviously the turnovers there. And he just, you know, didn't have his best game, but he still played good enough that the Nets could have won the game with this performance. It wasn't like, hey, Spencer was so bad he lost the Nets a game. He was fine out there. wasn't amazing. It wasn't bad. Yeah, I think that it's weird. I feel like, and this is purely a subjective take, that I think Spencer plays better when Kyrie and or Katie are on the bench. And we did hear some news today from Coach Kenny that those guys could be out on some, could be coming out for some road trips. You know, there is no news on the Kyrie uh, Irving surgery if that has happened, if that is going to happen, when it is going to happen. You know, there's been a lot of Nets news since we've been gone. Kevin Durant is continuing to progress with his surgery and his rehab. And Kenny has said that the impetus and the focus is on them rehabbing and what is best for their rehab. And sometimes now that they're at a point in terms of where their recovery is, it could benefit them to be in the road in terms of being around the guys. They can still rehab out on the road. We'll certainly wait and see how that affects the team going forward. But Nick, Jared Allen fouls out, you know, had a pretty poor night. Was this one of the poorer performances from uh, the young fro? Maybe the fact that he cut his hair, apparently, maybe that took away some of his Samson-like power. Yeah, it wasn't a great performance from Jared. I'll give him a, a little bit of a pass, though, because I thought a couple of the foul calls were really terrible, like especially some of the moving screens. There was one play somebody just kind of blew him up, and they just called him for a foul. And especially on the other end, you saw a lot of Thomas Bryan and Jan Mahimni, you know, essentially playing fullback instead of actually setting real screens. So, I mean, Jared just 
He just hasn't looked great over this last couple weeks. I know he had a solid game, I believe, against Charlotte, but he's just kind of in a funk. I don't know exactly what it is for him. It's because the Brooklyn buzz has been away, Nick. We haven't been <laughs> able to analyze him. We haven't been able to hype the, the young throw up. He'll be back against Atlanta. He's going to dominate against Dwayne Debman. I've got no doubt about that. That is for sure. You know, And DeAndre Jordan was able to step up in his absence. And I know literally every person who is a national media pundit who speaks about the Brooklyn Nets is always like, Jared Allen deserves minutes over DeAndre Jordan. Well, if you've been watching, Jared Allen has been playing pretty poorly of late, and DeAndre Jordan has been performing quite ably. And if you look at the box score tonight, we know DeAndre Jordan is probably not necessarily Andre Drummond-like in terms of his box score production and impact and, and lack of impact. DeAndre has been impacting the game in ways. And, you know, a 16-point and 16-rebound performance, including six offensive boards and four of five from the free-throw line, DeAndre Jordan is helping this team. You just need to be watching if you are more than just a Brooklyn Nets fan and more than a Brooklyn Buzz listener. Yeah, I mean, he obviously has his weaknesses, but in yeah. the position the Nets put him in tonight, I thought he was great. You know, I like I said, I didn't necessarily watch him as closely. I feel like I was really focused on the perimeter players tonight. But you felt his impact on the offensive boards. Like Mo Wagner had no business trying to box out DeAndre Jordan. And that was an area where he can kind of attack. And you saw some of that with DeAndre and just doing some of the small things. And he's good at finishing oops, like especially contested oops. And I think that's an area where Jared Allen could improve. You know, he can, he can get up for the high ones and stuff. But DeAndre does a great job when there's like a body around. It's putting his body on that body and then grabbing the ball and throwing it down. I mean, like I said, I really like the performance from DeAndre. And there was even a couple possessions where he did a solid job when he got switched on to Bradley Beal. Yeah, I think he he's had a couple of times this season where he's impressed us in terms of his ability to be willing to switch out. And obviously, you know, the scheme for the Brooklyn Nets defensively is generally not to have our bigs doing that and have them hanging back, especially off the pick and roll, which is frustrating. But, you know, DeAndre, I think, has had his moments this season. He is one of the more frustrating Brooklyn Nets on this roster. But, you know, you need to give credit where credit is due. Any other performers that are worth talking about in this one, Nick, or any other takeaways before we get to, you know, some other news? And I mean, we've got to touch on your Vegas trip as well. But in terms of this game overall, anything else you really wanted to touch on? Yeah, I'll go through some of the guys. I think there was a lot of negative performances, to be honest. I think Torian Prince was not good in this game. You know, he, I don't believe he didn't close the game. He let, uh, Kenny elected to go with Garrett Temple to close the game. Garrett Temple, 1-9 from 3. Torian Prince, 2-8 of eight from 3. When You mentioned that a little bit earlier. And then from the bench, they just, like, other than DeAndre, TLC just couldn't knock down his shots tonight. He was a little bit in a funk. He got four fouls in nine minutes, I believe, in the first half. So yes. that was just terrible. And then Rodion's was scared to shoot the ball. You know, he everyone's been asking for him to get minutes. But if he plays like this, there's no point in him getting minutes because it felt like he kind of hurt the team because he wasn't looking to shoot those wide-open threes. And it just made it that much easier for Washington to kind of close down on Spencer or Karras. And it feels like, to be honest, if Wilson Chandler played this game, the Nets probably win. And that's, you know, no, I mean, it is disrespect to Rodion's because he played bad. Like, I just feel like Wilson Chandler, as, you know, not great as he is, like, he at least has, you know what his floor is. Where Rodion's just has these performances where it's just like, come on, man. Like, you, you know you need to earn these minutes back. You're going to have to do something out there. Yeah, I, I agree with you in that, Nick. And Wilson Chandler has been a really, really serviceable, consistent player on both ends of the floor for the Nets. You know, he can hit a three here or there. He can create his own shot. He is really, really strong on both ends of the floor in terms of his physicality and his size. And, I mean, we've been advocating for the Rodeons for a very, very long time. And funnily enough, you know, it's since we've been podcasting, this is the first time in that little break that he has had some minutes. And I think that 
maybe not to go, you know, um, armchair psychologist about it, but maybe the fact that he hasn't been getting those minutes, he has lost that confidence and he's lost yeah. the faith in, in Kenny in, in a lot of respects. So, I mean, you can only ask so much of a young guy for him to give them a consistency. I've, I think I put out on Twitter, you know, during the break that I want to see Coach Kenny experiment a little bit this season for the rest of the season. I know that a seventh seed is ideal and we have a decent enough shot to maybe take a game or two away from Toronto or Boston or maybe Miami if they get there too. But I think the the bigger picture, I would rather see Rodion Scourts get some minutes. Give me some clacks time. I think uh, I'm not necessarily as high as, as, as some other guys on that Twitter about him, but he has been performing really well in the G League. And, you know, it, I mean, TLC, we've seen enough of him to know what he is. We know we haven't seen enough of Rodion Scourts this season. In terms of the time we have seen him at his best, he has been an awesome performer for us. Nicholas Claxton, throw him out there at the four sometimes. I mean, he's already talking about working out in the offseason with Kevin Durant and, 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 the, and the advice that he's getting from Kyrie Irving in terms of books to read and plays to look at. So I want to see uh, some more willingness to experiment from Kenny Atkinson. Uh, and, and I think I've advocated for that maybe more than any person uh, with a platform like this because I, I get really, really frustrated. And, and I think it's partly because looking at the grass is greener uh, alongside us in the Atlantic Division, where you see a guy like Nick Nurse willing to throw out 10, 11 different guys out there. You know, Even guys Brad like Stevens. Matt- and Brad Stevens as well, throwing out a Brad Wanamaker, these sort of guys. Romeo Langford, you know, a, a young rookie who has been playing well for the team and, and he's been earning his keep. You know, you need to earn the trust, but it seems Kenny just doesn't doesn't have that willingness. Yeah, it's it just it almost feels like he's a different coach from last season. Not saying last year he would get super crazy, but you'd at least see some experiments. It's like this year, we just haven't seen the same thing. Like you hardly ever see them go to small ball. Obviously, you have Jared Allen, DeAndre Jordan, not going to do it a ton. But on occasion, you want to make some weird adjustments just to do things out there. He did do something interesting with his own defense in this game. I don't exactly know what I would even call it. It was like three guys at the top. It was pretty much just... Let's eliminate Bradley Beal from this game. And they did it on the last possession, which ended up costing the game because Jerome Robinson had a wide open three at the top. But, you know, you just want to see Kenny, like, do some things different. If it's not working, you know, switch it up. Just if you keep doing the same thing, it's just going to be the same result. And I think in the past, we've seen the zone in terms of when against the Houston Rockets last year, we, we saw Coach Kenny go, look, we got no chance against this Houston Rockets team who is an otherworldly offensive team when they're Chris Paul. They were historic in, the off, in their offensive market with Golden State, as are the Bucks this season, and just throwing caution into the wind. Let's see a bit of that. Let's see some Claxton out there at the four. Let's see some Rodians out there at the three. Let's just get a little bit wacky and crazy with it. Why not? Because, yes, I would much rather you know finish with the eight seed and go out in a, in a sweep to the Milwaukee Bucks and actually see some progress from our young guys and maybe elevate their trade value in a possible trade for a Bradley Beal or an Aaron Gordon or a Drew Holiday or whoever it might be out there on the market, then just get the seventh seed and, and lose in maybe five games to a team like you know Boston, Toronto, those sort of teams, as we've mentioned before. Do you have a similar thoughts, Nick, or, or would you prefer us to really solidify that spot? Because we're now only a half a game ahead of the Orlando Magic after they defeated our upcoming opponent in the Atlanta Hawks yeah I mean I think you at at the very least you want to see what you have you know what I mean like even if you're not looking to trade it you want to know hey like who is this guy is Rodion's actually a good NBA role player or did he just kind of have an outlier season last year where no one really knew who he was and he just made a couple spark plays and things along those lines I just feel like you you're it's like I don't know how to explain it. it it 
you know, Sean Marks knows it's all for next season. He knows the bigger picture. I don't know if Kenny knows that exactly at this moment because, like, you just want to know what you have on this roster and who who you can keep, who you can trade because, as we know, Kyrie's going to be out the rest of the year. And like you mentioned, like, getting the seventh or the eighth seed essentially doesn't necessarily matter. You want to win as many games as possible and hopefully get that seventh seed. But if you're swapping out 15 minutes of, you know, Wilson Chandler for Rodion's Kroots, it's probably not going to make the biggest difference in the world. You know, the the biggest thing is going to be like, are, do your starters play well? And at the yeah. end of the day, the starters didn't play well and they lost the game. It wasn't really like the re- the bench is the reason they lost. Yeah, and I, I think in that sense, stepping away from the game a little bit has sort of, obviously we dissect this this team probably more than any other. In fact, more than any other podcast or any other platform out there apart from maybe like Nets Daily we see every single little thing, but stepping back from it a little bit, it sort of allowed me to go, all right, let's look at this a bit more holistically. What actually matters? And obviously the Kyrie Irving injury did happen. And that sort of has, has spurred this thought process from myself and going, look, yes, I want to get those reps into Karis Avert and he's increasing his trade value. If he is becoming a trade piece for, for the Brooklyn Nets, we heard Sean Marks make some comments. We can chat about them if you want to at W fan radio. And, you know, he was sort of hinting and alluding at Sham Sarania when he went on to a Barstool Sports podcast was speaking about the fact that the Indiana Pacers and the Brooklyn Nets are one of the smartest organizations. They've been planning ahead for this, the, the Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving trades as soon as Sean Marks got into the door. So these sort of things behind the scenes, Nick, you know, I mean, I don't doubt Sean Marks, but I think Coach Kenny needs to do his job a little bit better. And yes, obviously, Sean Marks hasn't been perfect. You know, that Alan Crabb deal wasn't amazing either. But I think we need to see more experimentation, more, you know, get wacky with it, get crazy with it. Because, you know, when you see the results from guys like Chris Boucher and Terrence Davis, that should inspire you to throw out your young guys out there. And um, for me, Coach Kenny, he's acting like he's this vet coach who has just like, who's like Doc Rivers and is like, nah, these guys are my guys. I need to give them the, the 25, 30 minutes that they deserve every single night. It's just like, no, like it doesn't matter. We, we're not a championship contender. We don't have any sort of, you know, a loyalty or alliances to Toy and Prince and Garrett Temple this year. They haven't earned the reps yet in this league or within the, well, maybe within this league, but not within this team and this organization to give it away just willy-nilly despite the fact that these young guys are knocking down the, down the door and playing some good G League basketball. Yeah, I thought to myself early in the first quarter of this game, the Nets came out super sluggish. Uh, Kenny called an early timeout, but I felt like at times last year, if, like the team came out that bad, he would occasionally just like sub out the entire starting lineup. And I felt like that might've been the right move tonight. I just feel like he's right. not being as aggressive as a coach as he was last season. I think yeah. it's getting a feel for the veterans and obviously it's a different situation for him. And it's not like Kenny's the most experienced coach. And I think maybe some of that showing this year, hopefully he can turn it into a learning experience if he's still the coach next season, which I think he will be, but you know, you, you're hoping that he's growing from this and it's just not all being wasted. Yeah. One thing I do not doubt about coach Kenny is his work ethic. Probably. I mean, all these coaches are insanely tireless workers and reflective. And, and then when you are a practitioner and you are a leader of people, be it a teacher, be it a coach, whatever it might be, you are constantly reevaluating what works. And I think in that sort of sense from Coach Kenny, we want to see some changes. We want to see some growth from him. And, you know, we've got, you know, 20 or so games, 25 or so games left. 
Let's see it from him. Let's see uh, some changes every now and then because we don't have to fight for a seed in the playoffs. Yes, we want a seven, but it's it doesn't mean anything because we're not really going to make an impact. I, I had higher hopes last year against the Philadelphia 76ers when we took away that first game than I would in this year's version of the team because we're not fully healthy. We don't have Kyrie Irving now. He's not coming back. Kevin Durant is less likely to come back now and probably I would almost stamp it clear that he is not coming back. You know, his mum said it in an interview and, you know, who knows better than your mama. So at the end <laughs> of the day, um, I don't think that anything's going to happen in with within that, um, despite the fact that we've talked about it ourselves um, before. But in that sense, Nick, do you want to chat about, you know, maybe forward thinking for this team? You know, we've versed Aaron Gordon and his team. We've versed Bradley Beal and his team. There's been posts and polls all over Nets Twitter. Do you want me to throw some weird, weird and wild and wacky throws and takes at you? Yeah, I just want to say I agree. I think the fact as soon as Kyrie went down for the season, I think that eliminated the chance of Kevin Durant coming back, which hurts my soul to say, but I think it's a smart move. Because if Kyrie's out there and you bring KD back and he's 90% or 85%, like, hey, you can win a first-round series. But without Kyrie, too, it's just kind of pointless at this point. But hit me with some crazy takes, Jack. All right, Nick. So uh, the poll that I saw on that Twitter that was making its round was Bradley Beal, Aaron Gordon or Drew Holiday. Who are you taking out of those three if you're putting them on a Brooklyn Nets roster? Obviously, you take into account what the package is. It would be yep. for, for those sort of, obviously, for an Aaron Gordon, you're probably going to have to give up a, a Spencer Dinwiddie and maybe a Rodion's or maybe a first round or maybe it's just a straight swap because I think Spencer Dinwiddie is a far superior player. Not a far superior player, uh, but I think Spencer Dinwiddie is a better player. In and terms more of consistent. The, and more consistent and more impactful. Spencer Dibble is a borderline all-star player. Aaron Gordon is the best dunker maybe we've seen in the history <laughs> of the game uh, since, since Vince Carter. But, you know, his on-court play and impact for the Orlando Magic has been waning, to say the least. So out of those three names, Nick, you know, uh, this is probably going to be the, the big takeaway from the podcast other than the stuff we've been talking about a little bit earlier. Who are you taking out of those three guys that have been on the Nets radar? I think you hit it right on the head, though, Jack, when you said it depends on the trade package. For me, that's all that really matters. Like, if you have to trade, I think, Spencer and Karras, it just hurts the depth of your team so much. And obviously, I think Kyrie's health is a little bit of a concern. Like, he's missed a ton of time over the last couple seasons. It's He's no, you know, he knows what an injury is. It's happened way too much. So I think, ideally, you want to keep one of Karras or Spencer because, at the very least, it gives you a backup point guard that can be a starting level point guard or, you know, a starter that you can slide to that point guard position. Obviously they could get some veteran backup, but I think you want to keep one of those guys too, because it also gives you a younger piece as these guys kind of age where maybe by the time that, you know, Katie and Kyrie are at the end of the contract, they're not the same player. Then you have a Carol Savert who's entering his prime or a Spencer doing like that. So I'm kind of more intrigued a little bit by the maybe the Aaron Gordon trade because I think that you don't have to give up a ton. I just worry with the Bradley Beal trade just the way that they kind of leveraged themselves in the past that they're going to ask for an excessive amount. Like they're going to ask for Karis Avert, Spencer Dinwiddie, get Jared Allen, and and, and then a first round pick. And for me, that just seems too much. And then also, I could see the same thing happening with Drew Holiday. I think David Griffin has had so much success already in New Orleans winning trades that he's only looking to make trades that highly favor New Orleans. Kind of what we saw with Danny Ainge in the Celtics after they made that KG and Paul Pierce trade. You rarely saw them get into a trade where the trade didn't favor them. You know, you look at the Rajon Rondo trade. There was a Brandon Wright trade. You look at the Jason Tatum, Markel Fultz trade. There's just so many things. So it's like 
it's really hard to envision. I think a lot of it comes down to also the other team's leverage. So if we see, I don't think Drew Holiday will demand a trade because I think New Orleans could even make the playoffs this season. And I think he could see the excitement of staying there. But I think if Bradley Beal demanded the trade, then okay, I'm I'm leaning towards him over Aaron Gordon because then all of a sudden Washington loses the leverage. And then you probably don't have to give up Spencer and Karras. You might have to give up, you know, Karras and Jared or Spencer and uh, Jared, which I don't think is as bad because DeAndre is here and he's shown he can do something. Then also you look at the possibilities. When you have K, KD back, there is some small ball options you can run with. Yeah, and I mean, I get what you're saying, Nick, and I'm I'm a little bit more to leaning towards, and I think some people are on this side of the camp, whereas I'm all in on, on getting your big stars, get your big three, and let everything take care of the rest in terms of, we look at the recent history of the NBA, stars win playoff series. You know, your, your big three in Miami, your big three in Golden State. Um, and, and in that sort of sense, you know, if there are to be injuries that were to occur, and, and by the way, in terms of the age thing, Carlos Levert's 25, Bradley Beal's 26, Spencer Dinwiddie's 26. Bradley Beal, I think we he's he's sort of like an Andre Drummond, a guy that's been around for so long that we just forget that, oh, wow, he's still only 26 years old. And I think Bradley Beal, and obviously a lot of people are like, well, what about the defense? Where's the defense going? Spencer Dinwiddie and, and Carlos Levert, apart from the, we did just speak about the fact that they've been quite good defensively for us. Bradley Beal isn't horrible defensively. And I think that the offensive end matters way more than the de- defensive end, especially when it comes to playoff games. As they say, as the saying goes, good offense always beats good defense. Bradley Beal can play off the ball a lot. And I think Bradley Beal, in terms of if Kyrie Irving were to be injured, which is my number one concern for this team in terms of is, is the health, Bradley Beal has shown the past few seasons that his durability has been outstanding, despite there being questions early in his career. And I've heard this quite a bit from my co-host at JBT, uh, Nick Busing. He was worried about the durability of Bradley Beal overall. And then since John Wall's gone down, Bradley Beal's been, you know, Mr. Reliable. So for me, I'm all in on Bradley Beal. Um, that could change. Obviously. What would be the most you would give up for Bradley Beal? The most I would give up would probably be Dinwiddie and Levert. I would want to keep a... If you're asking for Dinwiddie, Levert, and Allen, then I'm like, okay, well, like, leave us with something. And I think Sean Marks would be smart enough not to necessarily go totally all in. You know, in terms of, I think that there is a level, I mean, if you are willing, you have to give up. It's a give and a take process when it comes to the trade proposal. I don't think that he would be like, say, a Rob Palinka. But at the same time, you look at what's happening in LA right now. They are the championship favorites, if not 1A, 1B to the Milwaukee Bucks. And if they win a championship, then it solidifies the, the, the move in the first place. And for me, if you're not going all in for a championship, I would rather be doing that than not. And I understand that you don't want to be left crippled going forward and have no assets. But I think that the Nets are smart enough to still maneuver, keep picks. And, you know, if you're trading players, maybe you keep picks. And if you're trading picks, maybe you keep some players. I think Sean Marks is smart enough not to mortgage the entire long-term future of this team. But I know some people are also worried about the Lakers and worried about the Clippers and what they're doing. But at the end of the day, this is what happens when you're in the fight for a championship. And the Nets are next year, barring, you know, any hopefully unforeseen injuries in a championship race. And when you have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant healthy, that's two top 10, top 12 players. And obviously we don't know what Kevin Durant will be like when he gets back. But if you add a third guy who's in the top 15, top 20, that is literally, you are a championship favorite. I think if the Nets were to get Bradley Beal and have a healthy Kevin Durant and at least a 65-game Kyrie Irving, they are the championship favorites to me. 
Yeah, no, I mean, you made a great case. I think for me, it's just like a lot of it is the trade package. Like, I don't want to overdo it. And I think Bradley Beal, you know, off ball could be the right thing. It's just like, do you worry about there not being enough touches because then you have Kyrie, Bradley Beal, and Kevin Durant. But again, if if you're able to get it for probably two out of the three of, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis Levert, and Jared Allen, I think it's kind of a no-brainer. And I think if you were able to not, you know, give up two guys and you had to give up multiple first-round picks... I think you're open to it too, because then all of a sudden you still have trade assets in terms of players, and then you also have the depth, and then you're just kind of set to be a dominant team. I think a lot of it's just like we're going to have to wait and see what happens in the summer. Then also, there's probably going to be some guys that pop up that you didn't necessarily think that were going to end up being on the trade block. You know, no one thought Paul George was getting traded last year. Yeah, not at all. And, you know, obviously with what's happening in Philadelphia, there could be some wholesale yeah. changes happening there. Imagine adding a Ben Simmons to this team. We've wanted a, a defender, a, a, an insane playmaker of his capabilities. He's an absolute stud. Joel Embiid, who knows what happens with him. Things could happen in Philadelphia. Wild and wacky things happen in this league. And I think that the Nets, if you're not all in on this, then what is the point? I get sort of wanting to maintain flexibility, but I would rather have two years of championship contention and five years of doldrums than having five years of, you know, top four, top six sort of range and maybe on the precipice of championship contention and maybe sort of, you know, maybe fighting it out, winning a series or two. I want to be in the, in the big you race. You want to be the best. I want to be the best like no one ever was. I want to be Ash Ketchum. I want to be the Pokemon <laughs> master. I want to catch them all. I want to catch them all Pokemon. No, you made some great points, Zach. I think, you know, Bradley Beal is the key target. Like, if you can get that guy and not give up everything for him because – you know, obviously you want to have something left on your roster. But again, like you mentioned, you know, you have three three of the top probably 15 offensive players. You know, you yeah. could say Beal is probably lower as an overall player because defensively he hasn't really played great defense in a couple seasons. Some of that is the roster that he's on, but it'll be interesting. And I think that's something for Nets fans to look forward to. Obviously, you live in the moment and things suck when your team loses to two teams. You probably expect them to beat even without with the injuries you have and they blow games or, you know, in the Washington game, they couldn't complete the full comeback. But at the end of the day, next year is what it's all about. Next year is what it's all about, my friend. And, you know, it's rapidly approaching. I think we need to start thinking about that. I think the front office certainly is. I think fans certainly are. I think Coach Kenny is still living far too much in the moment and game to game, as we've sort of mentioned. But, you know, we do a game by game podcast. So I think it's the pot calling the kettle black a little <laughs> bit as well. But I'm I'm really excited about just everything that's surrounding this team right now. We're we're, we're in that race. And yes, I, I understand a lot of hesitancy and I get all the criticism that's coming from, you know, different pundits. And, you know, some of it is from guys like Bill Simmons and Ryan Rosillo, these Boston homers. But they do make valid points in some respects in terms of, you know, the health of, of Kevin around their health especially of Kyrie Irving that for me is the is the number one thing and, and this surgery and this shoulder you know issue you know we thought that he would be fine and he was back and he, he was grooving again and then we he, he's shut down for the rest of the season you know Kyrie Irving rarely play he hasn't played 82 games in his season in his career I don't think he's played a couple of 70s I think three or four and I'm worried about his durability and his ability to close out a series. I mean, if you have Kevin Durant alongside you, maybe that changes everything. We know the Brooklyn Nets medical staff is fantastic, but you know sometimes the human body just breaks down and maybe we've already seen the best Kyrie Irving. But this season, based off the 20 or so games that he's played, his numbers were freaking ridiculous. So if he can be out there for 60-plus games with a Kevin Durant who is 
top five, top ten level, the Nets are going to be a force. There's just so many different things that, to break down. And I think that with, now that we're back on the Brooklyn buzz, it's getting me more excited about chatting about it again. Would you rather see the Nets make a trade in the offseason or wait until during the season? I think I would go with the offseason here because I want to get that chemistry. Get that chemistry, that consistency going, you know, work behind the scenes, you know, have a few meals, you know, develop the rapport with the training staff. You know, I know that the Anthony Davis trade was supposedly going to be happening around February. I know LeBron sort of checked out and then, you know, Rob Palenka was sort of just all in on it when it came into the offseason. So for me, I would certainly do it in that regard. I mean, I have no idea what's happening in Washington with Tommy Shepard and, and, and what's going with John Wall. He's not going to be back this year either. But, and then, you know, Aaron Gordon, you know, he's been rumored to be on the trade block for, you know, years and years on end. And, you know, with Jonathan Isaac and these other sort of plethora of big guys, who knows what will happen, but the Nets are going to be making moves. We've heard Sean Marks make those comments behind the scenes uh, and, in, and in you know to the media as well. So you know it, it's rare to hear him say these sort of things because he's normally very, very guarded when it comes to that. But you know it was good to sort of hear him sort of say that he understands the frustration from fans and he's empathizing and that sort of thing. I think Sean Marks. You know, you, you take the little things. Remember, we, we talked about it last year that, you know, we heard that there was a plan A, B, C, and D. Plan A worked out. I wonder what plan A, B, C, and D are heading into this offseason where there probably is as much on the line. Yeah, no, it really is. I mean, going to next year with this team, you know, the Nets probably would be a contender with, you know, a healthy Kyrie and KD, but they wouldn't be the favorite. And I think ideally that's what you want to do, especially depending on what happens with Milwaukee this summer. You want to make sure you take that right stride. And I think the interesting thing for the summer is going to be, is Sean Marks aiming to have that top heavy roster or is he looking for more of the LA Clippers route where it's, hey, I have my two big stars and I'm going to surround them with a whole bunch of top 100 players you know, where I'm having a really good team. And I think that's going to be the interesting thing. You know, like you mentioned there, you made the great case for Bradley Beal and going with the top three. You know, does Sean Marks agree with that? Or does he want to go with more of the Milwaukee Bucks situation where it's just like a really, really good overall team? So I think it's going to be a fun summer. And it's a positive thing to look forward to when the Nets are playing poorly right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, when the Nets are playing this badly, you know, let's always just do some trade talk on every episode <laughs> of the Brooklyn Bucks. Why not? Why not? All right, Jack, do you want to ask me about my trip? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, for any listeners too much uh, who you know, are under the age of 18, exactly, <laughs> yeah. who are under the age of 18 or 21, maybe it might be time to switch off now. But uh, And also, if uh, Cynthia is listening, now would be the time to switch off as well because I have no idea what happened. I was not in contact. I had no service. You know, when I was traveling in Halls Gap, I had like, I had to travel, I had to walk up hills and mountains to get service to actually go on Twitter. I'm like, I was I was having some some withdrawals. Let's put it that way. So, um, but this isn't about that. Everyone wants to. No one wants to hear about a a, sh- a shitty year six school camp. We want to hear about <laughs> Vegas, Nick. Vegas is where it's at. Are they bringing a bus? Are you like advocating for a basketball team in Vegas so you can just head there and watch every Nets Vegas team uh, for the rest of your life? I'd be too worried about the players getting in trouble. <laughs> um, no, it's it was really a great experience. And obviously what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. I'm not going to share everything. But, you know, it was an amazing time. And there's really nothing like it in the world. From the casinos to the hotels to the food to 
the drinks and just honestly one thing that surprised me and i know it shouldn't have really surprised me was like the diversity you like you see so many different people from all over the world and all different places it's kind of like a new york city vibe in a sense except everyone's happy instead of pissed off so just like and that's another thing i can say like everybody i met in las vegas and we talked to a ton of people everyone was so nice and it was just like a great environment to be in i will say this though if you're going to go to vegas you need to bring a lot of money yeah, I think that the people that you were speaking to were probably all drunk. I'm guessing yeah, that uh, that's probably half the reason why they were so happy. They, they're or maybe we were drunk and we just thought or they were maybe, happy. <laughs> or maybe you you were drunk, or there was some other fluids or whatever was going on there with the, with those people. But uh, it, it's a wonderful city. It's a weird city. It's an odd city. It's its own universe. It's it's a weird, different thing. I was there in 2014 or 15 myself. I actually went to one of the sports stores and bought like a a skate Brooklyn Nets hoodie. It was like an Adidas one. It was a it was kind of cool one. It was actually I think on sale for like 30, 40 bucks. It was, probably cheaper than uh, my daily meals and and uh, th that's for sure because it is pricey in vegas um, i'm i'm coming over to new york for your wedding soon and another not pricey city but i'll be getting out of the city thankfully for the wedding so it'll hopefully be a little bit cheaper out in our uh, out in the suburbs rather than than the city but vegas i mean we could speak about it for plenty of time nick but uh maybe we'd have to do a, a brooklyn vegas episode rather than a brooklyn buzz episode next time we just got to do it live from vegas jack you got to make your way over oh. there again I mean, I'll give a couple like places that I really enjoyed. I think uh, I went to the Wynn Hotel slash Casino. Their buffet is amazing. Like, I don't think I've ever been to a buffet that good in my entire life. We had to go there twice because it was so good. Uh, we we went to a club in the Paris slash uh, Paris Hotel or Casino, whatever you want to call it. They're all like hotel slash casinos. And we went to a rooftop bar that was part of like the Eiffel Tower thing. So that was like a rooftop bar. Nice. It was awesome. Drinks, hookah, whatever it was. Um, and then also like another low key spot that's not on the strip. Fremont Street was really cool. We didn't get to spend as much time as we wanted to there, but it was definitely a little bit less pricey and still the same amount of enjoyment. Then overall, it's just like everywhere you go, you really just don't know what to expect. Like we were kind of talking off air. You walk into one of these hotel or casinos and next thing you know, there's a mall in the back. Yeah, I mean, if JetBlue or American Airlines or Delta or what a Spirit, if any of those want to fly, no, we're not Vegas, flying Spirit, but we'll fly JetBlue and uh, Delta. <laughs> uh, bro, I, I mean, I, I get on that many planes over there. All the airlines are amalgamated. So all I know is that Delta is kind of good. It gets a lot of shit from like so many different people. I'm like, Delta's okay compared to like. I flew Spirit. Delta on the way back, and I flew JetBlue on the way there. And like recently, I know you're in Australia. In the United States, there was an incident like two weeks ago with Spirit where their plane took off and the tire fell off okay uh hopefully i'm not <laughs> flying spirit from uh la to uh new york when i do land but uh thanks for that mate um thank you for a few weeks so hopefully that's in the the deep recesses of my uh subconscious memory and hopefully by then the brooklyn nets are winning some games so i'm thinking about that much more so yes sir and obviously happy to be back in the brooklyn buzz always a pleasure talking with you jack and we'll be back at the show you know on our regular game recaps over the next month peace Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. 
Granger for the ones who get it done.